Hello, and welcome. You can take me? Come on. All right, 1937, and Todd Field and the ball. I kicked your ass after a football practice. You kicked your ass after a football practice. You kicked your ass after a football practice. You kicked your why don't you do the world a favor and pull your lip over your head and swallow? <laughs> Idiot. Eat my shorts. So? So what? But after 50 years... What? ...of fighting over nothing... What? What? So? What? They finally found something... Holy... Oh, my God. Moly. ...worth fighting for. See, women get obsessed with me. It's like one of them fatal attraction things. Jack Lemon. Your cat crapped on my steps again. Yeah, who says you can't train a cat? Walter Matthau. Why would a woman come over at 1.30 in the morning to see you? Just why do you think, bonehead? Oh, my God. And Margaret. John, when was the last time you made love? October 4th, 1978. Grumpy old men. Oh, my Hello and welcome back to the Movie Bar Podcast, the average movie podcast for average movie fans by average movie fans. The bar is now open. Welcome to episode 70. I am your host, John. I'm Justin. And Kyle is still MIA. Kyle, even though... where are you? Kyle. Kyle. Yeah, some, some crickets in and post. Yeah. I might be able to do that. Okay, let's try. Kyle? Okay, no Kyle. How are you doing this week, Justin? Yeah, I'm doing. Well, you ready to talk some movies? I suppose. I suppose we can do that. Well, it's first not really off, why we're here, but I suppose we can do that. Yeah. <laughs> Just here to shoot the shit, I guess. All right, well. First off, as we discussed last week, AEW held their first ever Texas Chainsaw Massacre Deathmatch Championship match on the August 16th edition of Dynamite. You watched the match. I watched the match. What did you think? Well, currently I think I hate you for having me watch that crap. <laughs> yes. That was wrestle crap is what that was. I don't that think was exactly what I said it was going to be. Yeah. Um, it was pandering. I mean, the fact that Jeff Hardy had no 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 reason known to us to skip going to the ring and walk out some other random corner of ringside yes. to go look around in this area and then magically a ref and Jeff Jarrett appear. I mean, it, it was it only went downhill from there. Yeah, um, it's not what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be like a cinematic match in like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre style house. Yeah, I was pretty sure they weren't going to do that. But the only real references to Texas Chainsaw Massacre was 
the fake wall that they put up that had the weapons on it and then the fake blood and the terrible terrible leather face face. (laughs) um i will say the belt looked cool if you're a texas chainsaw massacre fan but otherwise that was a complete letdown um wrestle crap at its finest yeah uh highly let down by it had the potential to be so much more I mean, even when WWE did that thing during the pandemic with the zombie, there was a zombie movie or something, I think starring Batista, and they they had the zombie uh, lumberjack match, like, at least they put some effort in. Yeah. Granted, they all dressed like they belonged in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It wasn't what I was expecting, so. So, yeah, we'll give that a big... Zero mugs. Yeah. All right. Now on to some more palatable news. Sawax's runtime has officially been released, and we're looking at the longest movie in the Saw franchise. It's going to be one hour and 58 minutes, a full 11 minutes longer than the next longest Saw. Well, do you know what the next longest Saw was? I think it was the first one. Really? Might have been. So, the reason I put this on there, of course, there's a method to my madness. Mm Hey, it's all right. No, it's not the first one, it's the third one. The third one? Okay. So, there's always a method to my madness. A, it's SARX. And B, do you think a horror movie needs to be two hours long? Some of them do. It's only if it's good. Some of them need it. Yes. I don't know, can't know until you see it. So, but yeah, I mean, I'm still going to see it regardless. So, I don't care if it was three hours, an hour and 30, whatever. So, yeah, something to look forward to. All right. So, you just sent me a trailer. Um, Freelance. Starring your boy John Cena. Since you called him my boy. You've been you picked Hidden Strike. You picked Vacation. I only picked Friends. that because it looked like it could have been crappy. I picked Vacation Friends too because I saw Vacation Friends one and it was funny. Like I'm not that doesn't make me. And now you're sending me a trailer with John Cena, so it, it's movie news there. Slap nuts. Okay, Jeff Jarrett. So yeah, uh, John Cena plays a retired. Military vet. Okay, yep. And he comes out of retirement. It's that was him, Allison Bree. Uh, looks entertaining. Lots of action. It seems to be fun. his forte these days. So looks like it'll be better than Hidden Strike. Yeah, I'll mile, give it that. Mile, yeah. mile. <laughs> I believe it comes out October sixth, exclusively in theaters. So. Yeah, freelance. Uh, I'll try to remember to post it on our social media because I tend to forget that stuff. But uh, I did see something on X today. Well, Twitter, X, whatever it's called. It's called Twitter. It is Twitter. Do not give me that stupid X crap. It's Twitter. That's what it it's is. Not it's not even called a retweet anymore. Now it's reposting. It's it's 
tweeting and twittering because he's going to get that shit shut down soon anyway. Okay. It's gonna well, be so the question that was posed was horror movie killers Mount Rushmore. Usually, you know, the big discussion is your Mount Rushmore of wrestlers, baseball players, hockey players, whatever. If you could pick four killers to be on your horror killers Mount Rushmore, what four would you pick? I don't know because I've been put on the spot. <laughs> Should prep me for this one. <laughs> That's why I put you on the spot. Well, you can pick yours first, and I'll, I'll think about it. Well, definitely, you got to have Jason on there. Um, I'd go Jason, Freddie. Chucky, Victor Crowley. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, I mean, I just have to go with the ones that entertain me the most, I guess you could say. Yeah, it, it's your Mount Rushmore. It's who so, you are. I got to go with Jigsaw. Okay. Because just that, it, I love those movies. Um, hmm. Hmm. I gotta go with Freddy. Okay. Uh, just because he is Freddy. Mm-hmm. You gotta go with Michael Myers. Okay. He's kind of the one who started it all, the whole slow slow slasher yep hmm. Hmm. fourth one I don't know hmm. fourth one's hard yeah I mean it could be any of it could be leprechaun could be yeah I know uh, I'm thinking Leatherface. You know, I think what I might have to do is go with something classic like Dracula. Okay. I mean, he's kind of withstood the test of time. There's many different iterations of him. They all vary so much. Yeah. And, you know, he's coming from a place of myth and truth, so it's... I think I'd have to go there. Okay. So a it was... unconventional. It was Dracula, Jigsaw, Michael, and Freddy. And Freddy, yeah. So I always like Freddy more than Jason, just because he's funnier and a little bit more creative in the kills. And I think that Michael is a better version of Jason. Yeah. Um, see, I like the Friday the 13th movie, so I'm going to lean more towards Jason yeah. than I would Michael, but that's why it's to each our own. So, um, yeah. So tell us on social media what your Mount Rushmore of horror killers is. Maybe I'll post a question on Twitter slash X or Instagram or TikTok.
There's like threads. <laughs> What's threads? No, I'm not getting up. That's the um, new Twitter. Well, you're going to have to soon because that's going to be what Twitter is because Twitter's going to get shut down and be blocks blocking people because they won't allow it on uh, app stores. Oh, okay. So I guess we'll be setting up a threads account next week. <laughs> Great. Another fucking thing to keep track of. Awesome. Yeah. So, all right. What did you watch this week? Well, I texted you about one of them. And Trucks. it was Trucks, which was from 1997. It is a remake of Maximum Overdrive. Well, it's not a ma- it's not a remake of Maximum Overdrive. It's another re- it's based on the Stephen King short story Trucks. Um Maximum Overdrive was a little bit more loosely based on the same story, but this one was fairly god-awful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, considering like, it came out in 97 it, and we never heard of it, I mean... Yeah, I mean, like, the characters are pretty good. They all fit. Um, it wasn't too crazy there. Mm-hmm. Um, it had T- Timothy Buzzfield and... Uh, uh, I can't remember her name, but the girl from uh, Hot Shots Part 2. Um, and they were good, but the just the, the trucks and like they're honking to communicate and is just pretty bad. And in the end, they like they wind up getting on a helicopter with no pilot, so I don't know. You know, that does, just doesn't seem like a good idea to me. Um, but, you know, who am I? So, yeah, that that was fairly bad. I did watch Grumpy Old Men. Oh, boy. And, uh, yeah, that was it. I watched uh, pretty much TV shows other than that. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find any movies worth my interest until I found that trucks. <laughs> and you instantly regretted that. <laughs> no, it, was, it was worth a watch, but yeah. I mean, it it honestly made Maximum Overdrive look like an Oscar winner in comparison. I've been thinking about revisiting Maximum Overdrive. I know we just covered it a few weeks, a few months ago, but I uh, wanted to watch it. It lacks the uh, the greatest the greatest. Uh, scene in that movie and that it does not have a vending machine that shoots coke um, and it's actually only the trucks oh really yeah hmm. so it's like not the minivan just but one of the but one pickup truck and the rest of them are all big trucks big rigs okay i might check it out um so i watched two shorts on hulu one was called Swipe to Death. These two people swipe. Is that based on, on you in your free time? No, your I have time and in your not downtime and while someone's talking to you and while you're watching a movie. <laughs> no, uh, I haven't <laughs> killed anybody yet. Um, no, but you might die from swiping so much. <laughs> I haven't really swiped much lately. I'm kind of over it. I never thought it, I'm, I'm over it. Um, 
I just but remember I, you back in the day. That's all. <laughs> you did the same thing, so shut up. Um, so Swipe to Death, and then there was another one called The Hug, which is kind of like a Chuck E. Cheese-inspired one. They're, they were only like five to seven minutes long. Um, then I hit a wall, and I couldn't decide what to watch. So I asked a friend of mine, Christine, what to watch. I gave her five options. And she chose Grumpier Old Men. That's the reason why I wound up watching Trucks and mostly TV shows because it's like a wall and I'm like, there's nothing there. Yeah, I just, and I thought it was funny because she didn't know we were covering Grumpy Old Men this week. And that's kind of why I threw it in as an option. But so I watched Grumpier Old Men and then I watched Dodgeball, a true underdog story because I listened to the, um, commentary from Yorkie Thon a couple years ago with uh, Joel David Moore and the um, I forget the other guy that was on it but and I was like damn I haven't watched that in a long time so I wanted to watch that then I watched that yeah, like once a month really. <laughs> yeah the, on. the, the bald headed black guy in it um, he was the other one on the commentary then I watched Chillerama and then the next day, I was telling the guys at work about Chillerama, and we watched the Wadzilla segment from Chillerama, and that was more than enough for them. Then I watched Back to the Future because it was on TV the other day, and me and Hunter watched Summer School, another movie bar episode from the beginning of the summer, I believe. And then it was also on TV the other day. Yeah. Oh, well, we watched it. On, it was on sale on Voodoo, so I bought it. And, but um, then I watched Grumpy Old Men. So let's get into our picks of the week. I'll start us off. Well, actually, no, Justin, you start us off. Fine. I will. Even though you already slid, slip what yours was anyway. Um, so. I picked Cabin in the Woods when five college friends, Kristen Connolly, Chris Hemsworth, Anna Hutchinson, Fran Kranz, Jesse Williams, arrive at a remote forest cabin for a little vacation. Little do they expect the horrors that await them. One by one, the youths fall victim to backwoods zombies. But there is another factor at play. Two scientists, played by Richard Jenkins and Bradley Whitford, are manipulating the ghoulish goings-on. But even as the body count rises, there is yet more at work than meets the eye. This was released April 13th, 2012, directed by Drew Goddard. This is just a fun movie. It is. Um, just the twists in it and the way it plays out. And it, it was a good time. I remember seeing this in theaters. It was, it was great. My first time watching it was with you. Yes. Well, that would be the whole in the theaters. <laughs> no, we didn't see that in theaters. You sure? Yeah, we watched that down in the basement. You might have seen it, did it? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I didn't. But um, yeah, that's a good movie. Uh, I, I've been actually kind of want to watch, been wanting to watch that lately, but for some reason I never go to it. That'll happen. I have a few like that. So, oh, maybe it's something we should cover in the next couple of weeks. 
So um, my pick of the week is Grumpier Old Men. It only seemed fitting, judging by today's episode. I kind of figured you would, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. You want to take a guess what my pick is next week? <laughs> um, Grumpier Old Men, elderly, angling, and contentious friends, Max, played by Walter Matthau, and John, played by Jack Lemon. Backburner, they're bickering when their kids, Kevin Pollock, Daryl Hanner, get engaged. But fishing season opens a can of romantic worms as newcomer Maria plans to turn the beloved bait shop into a restaurant. Botched match- matchmaking leads to some major romantic mix-ups until an unexpected death in the family helps everyone realize the most important thing in life is love. Originally released on December 22nd, 1995, it was directed by Howard Deutsch. Um... You know, goes hand in hand with our pick this week. Um, you know, I love Meredith Burgess in it. He's, you know, he's funny. He's great, everything. Yeah. And you just can't go wrong with Walter Matthau or Jack Lemon. I believe their fifth movie together. Probably. Odd couple, odd couple two, out to sea, grumpy old men, grumpy old men, and probably a lot more before we were even born. Yeah, they did a lot. I think they did TV shows together. And yeah. Um, you know, they're kind of like a uh, what would be a modern day rock and um, what's his Kevin Hart, you know, the comedy duos that work well together. But uh, you know. It's funny, you know, when you add in and Margaret and um, Sophia Lauren. 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 And even the lady that plays her mother who hooks up with Meredith Burgess. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. So check out Grump Your Old Men. But now it's time for our main topic. Grumpy. Old men. I just want to start off by saying I imagine this was going to be us in like 40 years living next door to each other, fighting. Probably a good thing we don't live next door to each other. Yeah. Good God. Yeah. So uh, we'll read the synopsis. John Gustafson and Max Goldman are two Carmudgeonly neighbors who have been at each other's throats for years. The rivalry of former friends intensifies when Ariel comes along and provides a love interest for both of them. When Mac finds out that John is experiencing family troubles and financial ruin, however, he steps in to help. Their bond is further cemented when John has a health scare and Max makes the ultimate sacrifice for his friend. Originally released on Christmas Day, December 25th, 1993, Directed by Donald Petrie, distributed by Warner Brothers, had a box office of $80.5 million, and music by Alan Silvestri. It has a rating of PG-13. It has a runtime of one hour and 43 minutes, and it is currently streaming on... I forgot to look it up, my bad. It's Max, Come... but I could be wrong. Yeah, probably right. I know it's on... I think it's on... 
No, it is not available on any streaming services, but it is available for purchase on Google, YouTube, Apple, Amazon, Voodoo, Microsoft, AMC Theaters on Demand. Currently $14.99 or $9.99 on Google Play and YouTube. Um, Yeah, how about that cast? Our cast of characters we have Jack Levin as John Gustafson Jr., Walter Matthau as Max Goldman, and Margaret as Ariel Truax, Burgess Meredith as John Gustafson Sr., Daryl Hannah as Melanie Gustafson, Kevin Pollock as Jacob Goldman, Ozzy Davis as Chuck, the big shop owner, Buck Henry as Elliot Snyder, the IRS agent, Christopher McDonald as Mike. Steve Cochran as Weatherman, and Joe Howard as Phil the Pharmacist. All right. So the movie starts off. You're seeing um, John Gustafson, who is a former high school history teacher. And there is a guy banging on his door. Mr. Gustafson. Mr. Gustafson. And to escape the guy, he goes out the window on the second floor, down into the backyard, comes around, and here's where we meet Max Goldman, played by Walter Matthau. Um, You really don't know much about these two at this time until, you know, they see each other and kind of insult each other to begin with. And the what would be the IRS guy, Elliot Snyder. Uh, have you seen Mr. Gustafson? And Walter Matthau is kind of like, oh, well. Uh, no, 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 I haven't seen him. No, no, no. Well, you know, if, uh, you know, he could be off his meds and could be anywhere. Who knows? Is that the Might strip be club? One, uh, you know, one. the one with the men dancing? <laughs> Taking their clothes off? Uh, so that kind of gives you your first look at their relationship. Because uh, you know that's John next to him, and who's like looking at him that he's afraid he's going to rat him out. Yeah. But clearly they don't. He doesn't, and the IRS agent leaves, giving his card to Mr. Gustafson without realizing that it's Mr. Gustafson. Mm-hmm. So we learn that they are childhood friends, longtime rivals, and next door neighbors in Wabasha, Minnesota. Um, their rivalry, their rivalry began decades earlier when John married Max's high school sweetheart, May. John and May had two children, his daughter, Melanie, and son, Brian, who was killed in Vietnam. But May's infidelity led to divorce after 20 years. And John keeps telling Max he was not happy with May, but... Max always felt he would have been happy with May, but he ended up marrying Amy, who and they had the son Jacob. And so, upon meeting John and Max, what, what were your first impressions? I mean, they're, they're they're just hilarious together the way they play off each other. Yes, I mean, you know, I. When I first saw this, it would have been back in 95, 96. Yeah. Obviously, 90, no, this one was 
this was 93, so 94. Um, so, I mean, I didn't know anything about these two actors who were, you know, I just, yeah. hey, that looks like a funny movie. I'm going to watch this. But, I mean, even then, like, I could tell, like, they knew each other. They really played yes. off each other so well. And you get just get immediately thrown right into it like that during that scene. And that, that is just wonderful. But I, I, I love this this movie. This is another one where anytime I, I probably watch this one once a month. Yeah. It's, it's on a lot. Yeah. Um, I can't exactly pinpoint the first time I saw it. But I'm guessing it would also be around that time frame, 93, 94, 95, uh, well, 94, 95 on TV. But um, just the way that they can bounce off each other with the insults and the timing, it's like impeccable. So, so then we learn they like to go ice fishing. Um, so... Max has what he calls the Green Hornet, which is a mallard fishing pole, wooden fishing pole shaped like a mallard. Um, they go out to the little community on the on the lake in Wabasha, and we meet John's dad, John Gustafson Sr., played by Marius Burgess, who's about to, you know, did you pounder, like, you know. Um, beer drinking, smoking, bigger Rough child, old man. more childish than his kids. So they're each in their fishing holes and they're totally different. Max is watching a snowy TV of hockey while John is playing classical music on a record player and sitting back and relaxing. Um, So now we're learning that both men lead a very boring life and the most excitement they get is out of torturing each other, whether it be throwing a fish in the back of Max's truck because he's never going to figure that out. The way it's he... not about figuring it out. That's about timing. That's about letting it sit in there and see how many days yeah. you can get away with it. Well, you can tell right away that it's going to be in there for a while with all the trash that's on the floor oh, yeah. at the back of his car. Um, so now we meet the kids. Um, Jacob has shown up to Max's house to give him the signs. He's Actually, running, running for office. Yep, running for mayor of Wabasha. Uh, we've also met this new neighbor who moved into the Glickman place, played uh, who would later be Ariel, played by Anne Margaret, who is she hasn't met her yet, but she she her character is her character in the neighborhood yes. causes yes. stir with all the stuff she's bringing in from the truck and her yeah. Antics. So when Jacob arrives, Max is offering a dinner a tv dinner mm -hmm. but he's gonna do something first he's gonna fuck with john oh yeah where <laughs> he goes over to the window behind john where john's watching tv watching the lottery numbers 
and proceeds to keep changing the channel every time they announce a new ball. Did that not bring you back to your childhood, some of those commercials? Oh, yeah, buddy. Pizza, pizza. Yeah. Oh, the, um, I think that was Chicken Tonight when the family's dancing around the table. I feel like Chicken Tonight. And the, that the big guy when he's you know dancing. Um, so John quickly realizes that Max is up to no good. So payback ensues. Jacob tells his dad to come over and apologize, and Max, I'm not apologizing to anybody. And as soon as he says that, John sprays him with a hose. Mm. Sweet, sweet revenge. Yes. A whole lot worse. A whole yeah. lot worse than what was done to him. But, you know, you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. So, we also learned that John's daughter, Melanie, is going through a separation. And John is kind of excited for this. Apparently, he doesn't like his son-in-law. Mm-hmm. Played by Shooter McGavin. Mm-hmm. Um... So, next thing you know, John loses his, I mean, Max loses his um, Green Hornet. It's pulled down into the hole. Like, he sat there and said, don't move. Don't you move. It moved. It fell in the hole. We've all been there. I've never been ice fishing. I have not been there. Uh, no, I just mean, you know, you put something down and it looks like it's going to yeah. roll and you turn <laughs> your back and you're like, stay there. Don't yeah. you move while I turn around. Yeah, yeah. we've so, all been there. Apparently that's his prized possession. Um, let, let's talk about the snow prank on the roof. When John tries to get Max with the wetting the snow so when he slams the door, it all comes crashing down. Gotta use hot water. Yeah. water. You'll never get me putts. I had not heard that word in years until watching this movie again. Um, so, <coughs> excuse me. So now John's in bed. They are it's it's Thanksgiving. No, no, no. John meets Ariel when she comes over. You can help me out here in the timeline. Well, you've lost me on the way you wrote this. Um. <laughs> this is, so what I put was just a basic outline. Yes, it's not you know, the actual it seems to jump around. Yeah, no, it's not okay. It's been a week since I watched this. Oh. <laughs> So now Ariel shows up at John's door. It's 1.30 in the morning. She's She was out snow, no, snowmobiling the night before. Which She's br- been seen running from her hot her sauna, jumping in the snow, crazy like. Yep. And so they John don't really know what to make of her. But they're both infatuated with her. Well, wouldn't you be? If I was 70 years old, looking at a 60-year-old, yeah, probably. Um, so she comes over to ask, ask to use John's bathroom. 
But she was and, returning mail. But originally she has to use the bathroom first, then returns mail, which is a federal offense, according to John, which is true. But um, so what are your impressions of Ariel and the the boys' infatuation with her? <coughs> I mean, she's she's a bit much. Because, like, she's clearly a free spirit, and she's yes. out there, you know, she's got the snowmobile, and she does the sauna thing, and then she just shows up at 1.30 in the morning, but, like, and then she, like, admits to basically, you know, taking the mail from his mailbox to try and learn about him and all that stuff. Yeah. And, eh, that's a bit much for me. That's that's a little okay, lady. You need to get in your little, lane for me. Yeah, a little stalkerish. Um, so now Thanksgiving has kind of rolled around and they invited um, the bait shop guy to come have Thanksgiving with each of them he declines said he's going to the VFW elite bottle man but he really goes to Ariel's house yeah Catch him, we catch him going through the front door. And there's yeah. Grandpa. He's taking all what I psalmatrist. So uh, now, remember now, when the movie ends, you have to watch the bloopers. Yes. To get all of Burgess Meredith's one-liners and, and bloopers for the movie. It's, it's well worth the wait. Yes. Um so now, the very next morning, they are both arriving at Chuck's bait shop. Barreling down to get there first. To see the what's same going exact on. time. And just to get information, but Chuck is not a man to kiss and tell. Nope. But he lays it out, you know, basically, basically daring them just to, you know, to say something or do something or, you know, don't be so damn scared and yeah. living in your little fishing shanty. Yeah, go out, enjoy life. That's kind of like what um, Anne Margaret's character, that's what she's about, like mm -hmm. seizing the day. Go and do it. You want to do it, do it. So yeah. both the boys are getting ready for their evening host. plan to try and go go woo the woman yeah woo the girl um a nice classic shot of walter Matthau in the bathtub mm -hmm. but who ends up winning it's your max yes it's there first so john who's upset um the next day you know time has passed ariel goes yeah um so him and max are gonna fight that was a, a funny scene walking down the um the fence <laughs> you know like, well that's when check chuck died 
yeah, uh, Chuck does die. And John says, well, you know, if you weren't out with that heartlet or whatever along those lines, claiming that it was Max's fault that he died because he was with, um, I'm fucking drawing a blank on her name. Ariel. Ariel. And he's like, it's not my fault, you know. So, so they get to the end of the fence and John decides it's not worth it and walks away. And, uh... He goes inside. Now, John's dad has found the Green Hornet. The only thing I caught all day. So, what? Okay, yeah, you're right. So, John has it on his counter to give back to Max, but because Max had gone out with Ariel and he's upset about Chuck, he breaks it in half. And just there's a knock on the door and he thinks it's Max and he comes out with a baseball bat and... The old IRS man yep. caught. So, <laughs> so John goes with the IRS guy, comes home, and night. dark, dark, dark. And somebody's in his kitchen, mm-hmm. cooking dinner. Who is it? But Ariel. So now she's broken into his. She's stolen his mail. Mm-hmm. Inspected his bathroom. <laughs> Broke into his house. Ate his food. Cooked his food. Cooked his food. And you know, he says that, you know he can't have anything spicy because it'll keep him up. She gives him the old. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's what she wants is to keep him up all night. Um, so, is this the scene when they, when, when they go to have sex? No, that's later on. Okay, so, they spend, they, (laughs) yeah, they spend the day together, they go snowmobiling, they make snow angels, Max is at her house looking for her, but she's out with John, Mm -hmm. and... He sees the, uh, you know, the IRS guy is over at John's house again. So that's kind of, you know, what you're seeing something's going on a lot more. But so now they're kind of like looking out over the town and he finally just says fuck it and cuts loose John makes snow angels with Ariel and that night Ariel brings him uh, they go home they talk about having safe sex you know safe sex she mentions that it's time to go to bed and he thinks he said something wrong. She's, you know, she locks the door and she said, I didn't say I was going home. Yeah. yeah. That's got him awfully worried because 
He hasn't had sex since 1978. <laughs> yeah. And he doesn't have condoms, and she goes, I think you're safe. Mm-hmm. I would say so. So, next day, Max is looking for Ariel again as she comes walking out of John's house. And so he goes to the fishing hole because now he's depressed. Now they flip rolls. John's happy. Max is upset. Sitting in there drinking the beers. He's got quite the collection. Empties crushed up. Yeah. He gets a knock on the door. Yeah, it's his fishing rod. Green hornet. Green hornet. That's not that great, but you know, big old wrap of tape on it. But <laughs> you think he'd be happy? Nope, he fucking loses his shit. So they cut over to John sitting in his fishing hut, <laughs> puts his hat down, ready to take a nap, and then thud, the music skips. Thud, what the hell's going on? And Max is pushing his sea, his ice fishing shanty across the ice. With his truck out yes. onto the thin ice, he's picked up a flaming barrel along the way and shoots him out to the thin ice where it then sinks to the bottom and almost kills him. And they proceed to fight using a frozen fish as a ice dagger. It is a All lovely right. little old man fist fight. Yes. I love how he's got the scarf and everybody surrounds them, but who breaks them up but Mr. Gustafson. And I, I love the fact that Max called him Mr. Gustafson. Oh, yeah. And he's like, do I have to separate you two again? So um, that night, John's kind of realizing that when the IRS takes his house and his pension, He's going to have nothing to offer. So he decides to let Max have it and ends his relationship with Ariel, who was both hurt and offended. Well, he, I, I would hope so. <laughs> I mean, he fucking snaps. Like, he's like, I don't want you coming over here at all hours of the night, doing as you please. Yeah. And tells John that he will regret it. John falls into a deep depression again as Max begins to court Ariel more seriously. Christmas Eve arrives and John's depression has turned to anger when Melanie shows up with her husband, Mike. Shoot him again. (laughs) Who then asks for a beer, says he's going to clean up his act, yada, yada, yada. But then can't find a bottle opener, and that is what makes John snap. (laughs) So he tells Melanie he's going to walk down the slipperies to find um, Jacob has arrived. Even though John had told him they were getting divorced, they're not divorced. He doesn't have mistletoe. He has a thing of broccoli. So he um, gives Melanie a kiss on the cheek and then tells Mike he's next. And, you know, goes next door, tells his dad that, you know, John was upset, went to Slippery's. 
Maybe you should go talk to him, make up, yada, yada, you know. Christmas spirit. Yeah. So Max goes down to Slippery's, finds John drinking, gets into an argument with him. John gets the last word, storms out. Max isn't going to let that happen. And on the way home, John suffers a heart attack. Collapses in the snow outside someone's house. Yes. Um, Thankfully, Max follows, finds him, and gets help from the family, having a party inside. So Max doesn't know why John's really this upset. Thinks it's just because of Ariel and, you know... So, he gets John to the hospital, and Max um, tells Ariel to give him, you know, kind of be with John, make him happy. Um, And then he meets Agent Snyder again. Max does and finds out the truth, what's happening with John. You know, his wife worked for 11 years of his 20-year pension, and health care could have been taxed or something along those lines. But Yeah, he owes, something weird. Um, he owes $57,000 with back interest, late fees, at first, it was 13000 and Max is like, oh, he can get that. Then he goes, well, it's 57000 And so then he proceeds to throw a fish into Agent Snyder's car and boards up the house and rigs the roof to fall, to snowfall. But just as Agent Snyder is trying to break the wood off the door, Jacob arrives with a court order saying, you cannot touch this house for 30 days. And then proceeds to knock a bunch of snow onto Agent Snyder. Um, So they have saved John's house for now. Ariel is back with John. We don't know this. It's now springtime, and you see Jacob and Melanie. She's now divorced. They're both in black, like it's a funeral. Did you assume that John had passed away? I can't say because it's been so many years since I watched it the first time. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing just based off of how they were dressed and how somber the moment was between. Yeah, them, that's that's what they wanted you to kind of like, fall into that trap. But you know, I uh, I was like that could be played off as like John died because you don't see John again. All you see is yeah. Max and Ariel, and then Jacob and Melanie. And they go into the church, and John comes walking from around the corner with Max and Jacob behind him, dressed in suits. And then Melanie and her daughter are walking down the aisle with uh, Mr. Gustafson Sr. and Ariel. 
in a wedding dress. And Max reveals he was able to get John's tax debt debt reduced to just over 13000 And Max paid it off himself. But it's just a loan. Mm-hmm. Always just a loan. So, um, John and Ariel drive off to their honeymoon. And John finds the same dead fish that Max had put in the car as a prank. So now this fish has been sitting for months. No, I think that was a different fish. I think that's a joke. It it looked like, yeah, it looked like the same fish, but they all look alike. And back at Max's house, Jacob's like, do you want to watch TV? And he goes, nope, I'm going down the VFW to find a date of his own to the local dance. Mm -hmm. And a newly single Melanie who was officially divorced and Jacob left home alone, begin their new romance. Thus cuts into the um, end credits with Meredith Burgess outtakes. Which are worth the watch within itself. Oh, 100%. So, that is Grumpy Old Men. So, what do we think of the, the setting of this movie? We're in Wabasha, Minnesota. I think this is, this is great. I mean, because it's, it's kind of, it's taking place in, you know, in, in an area in a climate that most movies don't. I mean, we don't see a whole lot of movies where the majority of it, you know, the area is under two feet of snow. Yeah. But it's not part of the plot. You I know, mean, it's kind of for the tricks and stuff, but it's not part of the you know, the storyline itself. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, the only part that really plays into it is the ice fishing. Yeah. And that set up a lot of, like, funny moments within the movie. You know, the Green Hornet uh, pushing the house into the the thin ice. The, uh, you know, the shoveling the snow. Mm -hmm. Snow off the roof, like. Yeah, it lent itself to it, but it wasn't necessary to the story. It's just one yes. of those things. Um, not too many movies happening in the Minnesota, Wisconsin area, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, one thing I like about this and then the sequel is the sequel is like springtime. Yeah. Whereas this was winter, Thanksgiving, Christmas. Ice fishing. Yeah, the second one is regular springtime boat fishing. How about the concept of of the movie? I mean, this is okay. This is these two guys' bread and butter. I mean, they were the odd couple. Yeah, Um, they they've done you know shows and stuff like this, but I mean, it, it it it's 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 a fairly classic trope. You know, you get the two oddball. You know, whether they be neighbors, roommates, brothers, cousins, whatever it is, um, you know, they're, they're going at it. You know, it, it, 
curmudgeonly old neighbors is great. Yeah. You know, because they are the most creative with their insults. They can really stick it to you. And yeah. quite frankly, old people have been around a long time, so they, they know all the tricks. And I honestly feel that if we lived next to each other for so many years, I think it would, would be yeah. it. We'd be Although it wouldn't be it wouldn't be out of meanness. We'd just be doing it just to fucking have a laugh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to amuse ourselves because we'd yeah. be bored. I mean, but, we do talk to each other like that. We do call each other. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Know, but, <laughs> you know, and so let, let me throw this curveball at you. So they did the TV show, The Odd Couple. I believe it was them, the original Odd Couple. Mm -hmm. They did the movie. Well, they might they, not have been the original, original Odd Couple, but they did do it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know the history there. So, well, I know they did the two movies. Yeah. And they, um, okay, no, the original Oscar Madison was Jack Klugman and the original Felix was Tony Randall. Um, that was in the 70s. They made a remake with uh, Matthew Perry and somebody else. But they did the original movie. Could this have been at three and four of The Odd Couple, do you think? I mean, I, I don't really remember those, so hard to say for me. But I mean, I mean, that's essentially what all these style movies are. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, the other guys, it's still the odd couple, you know. And I kind of think, like, they played that into this movie where when you look at Oscar, I mean, um, Max Goldman's truck, it's dirty. Mm -hmm. And Walter Matthau played Oscar Madison, who was the dirty one, and Jack Lemon, his house is neat, clean, mm -hmm. much how Felix Unger was as a character. Yeah. Um, do you think this movie could hold up today, let's say, if it was uh, Robert De Niro and Al Pacino? Well, I don't know that they could do it as well as these two did it. I think that they, they these two, they, they had a unique... Chemistry. Chemistry between themselves. Um, I mean, it, this, this does get done. This gets done once a month. Yeah. Um, it, it's just a matter of, you know, having that... You know, you got to hit all the 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 all the check marks. You know, yeah. You have a script worth it, um, but I mean, most of all, you got to have two people who play off each other the right way in order to have it work the way that these movies worked. Yeah, and so how about the? Uh, the script, the dialogue, the acting, the directing. I think mean, they knocked it out of the park with the script. I think that all the little, you know, the subtle shots and the not-so-subtle shots and, you know, the ones you had to think about, just the ones that were, you know, for the four-year-olds who were watching. Uh, yeah. I mean, when they were in the pharmacies, you know, they're going back and forth over their medical ailments. <laughs> yeah. I had a hemorrhoid. And, you know, I mean, it's... I was yeah. pooping I, I think they did, they did great. 
Yeah. And as far as like the acting, definitely playing well off of each other. Like you said, chemistry, mm -hmm. the script. I don't know how much input they had, but you know, I definitely, I can imagine that with those two, there was a lot of. There's all. I had to be a lot of ad libbing. A lot of yeah. Because there's only so many times you can you know call somebody a putz. Yeah, and you know schmuck putz. Yeah. You know, and like as, as the movie progresses, the insults get a little worse because now they're at odds and, but. Mm -hmm. So, character development throughout the movie, you know, you know there's tension between them for years, as as there are with any friends. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things, I think, at the beginning, you know that that tension's there, but it it doesn't feel, obviously, like a serious thing. It just kind of feels like a, you know, just kind of like a trope that's there. Uh, like like the, a friend, movie, friendly a friendly rivalry. Yeah, but as the movie goes on, and they kind of get more and more at each other's throats, yeah, you know, the insults start ramping up. the The pranks start ramping up to being a little bit, you know, more and more serious. So, I mean, I think they did a great job in kind of showing that that through the stages of you know the whole dating back and forth, and you know one guy beating the other so we just kind of uh, they, they did a good job of of you know really making it the whole thing kind of come together with the the development of, of everybody and like one of my favorite things about these two together is they could sit there all day every day and assault each other but the minute one of them is in trouble the other one has his back mm-hmm and you you see that when you know at the beginning of the movie with the uh, IRS guy Agent Snyder, and then at the end of the movie when he finds John laying in the snow, even though he John, are you dead? Not yet, but I don't want to die looking at your ugly mug. Like you know, you see the love they have for each other. And he, he, you, you can see Max is very conflicted at the hospital when the nurse, are you family? Are you a friend? Yeah. And he's kind of like, I don't know. Like, I th yeah. it would have been better if he had said family. Yeah, but, but can't really lie to the hospital either. <laughs> like they're really gonna know yeah i know so you know i the character development it kind of goes back and forth like yeah. they love each other they hate each other they love each other you know how about the length an hour and 43 minutes it was pretty good i mean perfect a little over the hour and a half but it, you know. there's, there's enough there that is worth it yeah and it, like there was never a dull moment. Yeah. It tells the story. They both it's fall in love with this girl. One of them gets the girl. The other one is upset that he get the other one got the girl. Then that one realizes that he can't give the girl what she wants. You know. Mm -hmm. So, uh, what was your favorite scene in the movie? 
Dude, that's got to be the, the outtakes at the end when he's talking about Chuck going in. Yeah, I, I think my favorite is drive when he drives the um, the truck into the ice shack and you know, and then when they're fighting and Meredith Burgess, I have to break you two up again. All right, it had a sequel, Grumpier Old Men. Equally as good. How about a reboot potential? I mean, it has it, but now you've got to find two old guys to, to fill the roles. And I, you know, I, you know, maybe in ten years, Chevy Chase or Dan Aykroyd and Chevy Chase. Well, they would have to get along, and Chevy Chase would have to stop being a dickhead. Well, they're in a new movie together, that new R.L. Stein zombie movie. So, well, I don't know anything about that. So, yeah, the trailer just dropped today. Um, but I don't think the magic could be recreated with the than you would get with Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon. No, not now. Um, I just can't think of anybody of that, you know, age or stage. I mean, well, Christopher Walken and somebody else might be able to make something happen. But who? I just don't know who, who would be that chaotic other. Or maybe he'd be the chaotic one. He'd be and, the Oscar in this, and maybe somebody like Tommy Lee Jones could be the yeah the straight man, or even De Niro. I, I could see De Niro being the um, the uh, Gustafson and Christopher Walken being the Max Goldman. So, all right, <laughs> torture Tommy Lee Jones and make Jim Carrey the. <laughs> Too big of an age difference there. So <laughs> this received like <laughs> this received a seven out of ten on IMDb, a sixty-four percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and a three out of five on Letterbox. Justin, how many mugs do you give Grumpy Old Men? Oh, this one gets a four and a half after me. Four and a half. I give it five. Um. All right, that concludes Grumpy Old Men. Justin, what do we got next week? Well, get out your fishing poles, folks, because we got a little fresh from the stream. Next week, we'll be covering Hulu's Vacation Friends 2, starring John Cena, Steve Buscemi, Lil Ray Howery, and Meredith Hagner. Yep. Um, saw the first one. Funny as hell. Looking yeah, forward to this. <laughs> I heard of it. I looked at it. Like, Just the trailer watch. alone looks hilarious with the good. scene with the baby when he's like, oh, he's adding crawling. In, adding in Steve Buscemi can only, yeah. can only bring it up. Any movie where a character does a line of coke and it's a, their mother. Mm -hmm. So, all right. The bar is now closed. Thank you so much for listening. You can follow us and stay up to date with the podcast at the Movie Bar Pod on X, formerly Twitter, at the Movie Bar Podcast on Instagram, and at the Movie Bar Pod on YouTube and TikTok, and at the Movie Bar Podcast on Facebook. We are on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Podcast, Anchor, Google Podcast, and most places you 
listen to your podcast. And be sure to check out our website, www.moviebarpod.com. Thank you for listening. Please let us know what you want to hear by contacting us on social media or via email at themoviebar.look.com. Please be sure to like, review, and subscribe to the podcast and on all social media channels. Bye. Bye. Yeah, putts. Thank <laughs> you.